excuse me, verse 42 is our text uh, that we are currently studying in chapter 3. We're using chapter 10, verse, verses 42 through 45 as our text. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Praise God. And I'm glad that he did. Glad that he did. Praise God. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us today. Can we do that, everybody? Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, praise God. Can we worship the Lord together before we're seated here today? Praise God, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I am going to forego our general review today and just try to bring us up to speed as to where we are in chapter 3 so that we can try to just tap in right there and go forward this morning and hopefully cover a little bit more territory uh, than we do sometimes. But as I said a while ago, we are we have been studying chapter 3 and um, Chapter 3 opens with the story of the man with the withered hand, and he was in the synagogue. He had come to the church, I believe, looking for help, hoping for help. Perhaps he knew that Jesus was there. We've already seen, according to the scripture, that it was Jesus' custom or his habit to go to church. When it was church time, you could expect Jesus to show up. And perhaps this man knew that, whatever it was, perhaps it was just this man's custom to go to the house of the Lord. But Jesus found him there and healed him. And we pointed out to you, not everybody was happy about it. There were those uh, who were always looking to find fault with the Lord, always looking to try to bring some accusation against him. And uh, so this being the Sabbath day, that's why they were in church, uh, they thought they could again charge him with a violation of the Sabbath. We spent a good deal of time talking about that and how he handled that. And actually where we uh, left off in the last lesson, perhaps even got just a little bit diverted, um, imagine that but uh, just a little bit diverted from the subject line. Uh, we talked about how that they made plans to try to destroy him. They took counsel. They formed their alliances uh, to try to figure out a way not just to stop him, but to destroy him. But Jesus didn't waste time trying to fight with them. Uh, he didn't even waste time trying to defend himself. Instead, what we pointed out to you was he moved on and went to those 
who wanted what he had to offer. And he spent his time uh, with them and did many great things in their midst. And that's, uh, we actually uh, closed out the last time talking about learning to be sensitive to the spirit and let God lead us to those that are hungry so that we're not wasting our time and energy uh, on those who really are not interested at the moment. Doesn't mean they won't ever be interested, but but if God's not drawing them, uh, and in fact, we'll talk about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but if the Spirit of the Lord's not drawing them at the time, then we, we can plant the seed, but we don't want to frustrate ourselves uh, trying to bring someone that God is not dealing with at the moment. And uh, let us instead be sensitive enough, be prayerful enough, learn to walk in the Holy Ghost, and let God lead us to those that he is drawing and those he is dealing with, and let God bring them. Now, we we closed out. We were dealing with verses 10 and 11. I didn't finish with those verses, so we're going to go back today uh, Mark chapter 3, and we're going to be looking again at verses 10 and 11. This is, as I said, where Jesus moved on, and he went to those who wanted him. In fact, there were many who were wanting him, uh, so many that he had to get somebody to get a boat and be ready uh, should he need to get off the land and back up a little ways. And there was quite a crowd that was gathered there. Mark chapter 3, let's start with verse number 10 this morning. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Now, this is, as I said, this is where we left off. He healed many insomuch they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. Uh, they wanted to be healed, obviously. Um, they, um, <clears throat> I got to be careful, but they evidently weren't living off of disability, so they weren't worried about losing their paycheck. Um, they wanted healing, praise God. And uh, anyhow, they, um, they, they, were, they were hungry, they were desirous of a healing, but where I want to focus our attention for just a moment or so here is verse 11, the unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, thou art the son of God. Now, now listen to me, there is no question that the devil's the demons recognized him for who he was. There was no question in their minds as to who this was. They knew full well. Praise God. They recognized him. Now, let me tell you, not only did they recognize Jesus for who he was, but the scripture tells us that they recognized Paul. They knew who Paul was. Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 15, a group of men are here trying to cast out devils, and they said, by the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth, we adjure thee to come out. And, and this was what happened, Acts 19 and 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I Jesus, know. Jesus I know. And Paul I know. And Paul I know. But who are you? But who are you? Now, now listen to me and don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But I want to be known in hell. I want the devil to know who I am. I want the devil to recognize the authority of God that resides within me. Well, praise God. Amen. There was something about it. They said in the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth. They said, look, we know who Jesus is. We understand that. I'm telling you, they tremble at the sound of that name. But evidently, it wasn't just the name of Jesus that they trembled at. But there was something that stirred up uh, in those spirits when the name of Paul 
Paul was mentioned as well because they knew that Paul was one who had authority with God and that if Paul stepped on the scene and told those spirits to come out, they couldn't argue with Paul. They were coming out. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I want to live my life in such a way that the devil knows exactly who I am. Amen. In fact, somebody said, said you ought to live in such a way that uh, when you get up in the morning, hell is sending a message, oh no, he's up. Hallelujah. We ought to make the devil nervous. Amen. We shouldn't be the one that the devil says, okay, I know I can get a free ride here. I know I can bring them down today. I know I can, I can discourage them today. The devil ought to be running from us. The devil ought to be the least of our concerns. Well, praise God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Our concern ought not be the devil. You know, when, and, and, and I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but, but when Jesus was tempted, I don't find him shaking and, 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 you know, now look, when, when he's in the garden and he's facing that bitter cup that is coming his way, then he's pleading for mercy and asking for help and asking for strength. But when the devil met him in the wilderness, I don't find him falling to his knees and saying, Father, please help me. Well, he just quoted scripture. Jesus was not afraid of the attack of the enemy. He was confident in his relationship with the Father. Well, I'm telling you, if when temptation comes, we got to hit our knees and spend an hour in prayer trying to overcome temptation, something's wrong with our relationship. Well, praise God. Amen. There ought to be something that rises up in us and simply says, get thee behind me, Satan. It is written. Hallelujah. Amen. Start giving the devil a face full of scriptures and watch what he does with that. There's power in the word of the Lord. There's power in the word of the Lord. And so Jesus didn't wrestle with the devil. Jesus didn't fight with the devil. Jesus didn't argue with the devil. Jesus didn't pray for help to overcome the devil. He simply stood his ground, quoted the word of God, and eventually the devil left him. Well, hallelujah. I will tell you why we struggle with temptation. It's because our flesh wants to do what we're being tempted to do. And so the real problem is not the devil or the temptation. The real problem is we got to get our flesh under control. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You can take a man who is an alcoholic, a man who cannot walk by a bottle of alcohol without stopping to at least drool over it, but you let him die, and you can put a six-pack in the coffin and he's not going to move. And so if we're moving, then something's not dead yet. Well, praise God. That's another lesson for another day. But, but I, just, I just thought it would be worth mentioning today that, that the devils knew exactly who Jesus was and they knew who Paul was. And I want them to know who I am. Praise God. Amen. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't want, while we're looking at these verses, I don't want it to trouble you as one God apostolics that the demons called him the son of God. That doesn't bother you, does it? I, I would hope that doesn't bother you. Why didn't they kneel down or bow down before him and uh, or fall down before him and say, thou art God. Why, why didn't that happen? Why did they call him the son of God? That shouldn't be a problem for any of us. Amen. We understand. John 4 and 24, we understand. I go through this all the time, but it never hurts 
for us to hear it again and again and again and again. Praise God. God, John 4 and 24, God is a spirit. Is a spirit. These demons are not falling before a spirit. They're falling before the man, Christ Jesus. They are speaking to the man, Christ Jesus. And the man, Christ Jesus, is the Son of God. Well, praise God. Luke 135, Luke 135. I don't want to get sidetracked into a lesson on the oneness of God this morning, but it never hurts, never hurts just to touch on it and move on. Luke 1 and 35. The angel answered, the said angel to her, answered and said to the Mary, Holy Ghost shall come upon the Holy thee, Ghost is coming on you. And the power of the, the high, high shall is going to overshadow you. Therefore, and therefore, also that holy that thing, holy thing shall be born which thee, shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Shall be called the Son of God. That which came from Mary was the Son of God. Mary was not the mother of God. She was the, Mary, the, the mother of the Son of God. Well, hallelujah. And so these demonic spirits are falling down before the Son of God. Hallelujah. Which really is, again, another lesson in and of itself. Because Jesus overcame these things, not, not because he was God in flesh, but because he was God in flesh. You understand the difference. He did it through the power of his flesh. He overcame in the flesh because he was our example. We're not God in flesh. But we've got the power of God living in our flesh. Hallelujah. And Jesus overcame the demons and they recognized him as the son of God. And I'm telling you, the demons ought to recognize us as sons of God. The demons ought to recognize us as the people of God. I'll never, I'll never forget years ago having to attend a funeral. Uh, we walked into a church of uh, corrupt, corrupt doctrine. And uh, uh, I didn't understand. I didn't know the custom uh, of, of the people. And, you know, we, we tend to get to a funeral early. There's usually a viewing prior to the funeral and or at least greet the family, but uh, we walked in, my wife and I, and, and uh, the others that were with us walked in, and there was nobody there. And then we learned later that it was their custom to make a procession from the funeral home to the church. And then when the body arrived, then the, uh, the priest would come out from, the, uh, from, from somewhere around the front of the sanctuary and meet the body at the back door and and uh, all of that but but we were there so we were the only ones there and and uh, as the body finally arrived and they met at the front door i watched as that man uh, walked out and and he really wasn't paying attention to us uh he was just kind of looking at the floor and he started past us and when he got even with us he stopped and he turned and he stared at me i'd never met the man i didn't know him I never met him, but I knew something about that stare. It wasn't just that man that was looking at me. Something on the inside of that fella knew exactly who I was. Well, hallelujah. That's the way I want it to be. Amen. I heard, I heard uh, about a young lady uh, that was Holy Ghost filled, that was studying to be a nurse, uh, part of their uh, of their practice was they had to go to the uh, mental institutes and work with them and learn things about them and she was telling us about being there with a crowd of others and the patient had uh, his back to them all of the nurses uh, in training that were there had his back to them but she said that suddenly he spun around and looked her in the eye and said I know who you are well 
Does that scare you? It shouldn't. It shouldn't scare you. I'm I want the devil to know who I am. I want him to know he doesn't have any authority around me. I want him to know not because of me, not because I'm anything, but I am a child of the king and the power of the most high resides within me, hallelujah. And I've got a relationship with my father and the devil has no authority in my life. Well, praise God. Amen, amen. So, so they recognized him as the son of God. Now, I want to show you verse 12. Let's move on. Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 3 and verse 12. Let's see. Now the, the, the spirits fall down before him and rightfully call him the son of God. But I want you to look at his response. Mark chapter 3 verse 12. And he straightly charged them that they should not make it known. He straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Let me, let me say something here. What these spirits were saying was true. But I find it interesting that Jesus did not want the testimony of evil spirits. Though they were saying the truth, the spirit that was behind it was not right. And Jesus refused it. Now, Jesus was not the only one that ever did this. Again, we go back to the Apostle Paul. Mark, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, there's nothing wrong with what she's saying. Every word that is coming out of her mouth is the absolute truth. These are the servants of the Most High God. And they are showing us the way of salvation. It's true. She's speaking truth. Read. And this did she many days. And this did she many days. Now I'm going to tell you, a lot of folks would have been thrilled to have a following that's going around announcing to everybody, these are great men of God. These are men that are telling us the truth. They would have liked to have their fan base following them everywhere, screaming this out. But look at the way Paul felt about it. But Paul, being, but Paul being grieved, turned and said, turned to, the spirit, and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. To come out of her. And he came out, and he the, came same out the same hour. I, I'm here to tell you today that Paul refused the witness of an evil spirit. Though the spirit was speaking truth, he rejected the spirit behind that truth. Now, in a previous lesson, I don't remember when it was, it's been a few weeks ago, but I was talking about how that God flows through vessels uh, and just like water that flows through a pipe, many times the water takes on the flavor of the pipe. You remember me discussing that? We talked about that if it was a prophet and he didn't have good grammar, that, that uh, when the Lord spoke through him, the message might come in poor grammar. Didn't make it any less God because the grammar wasn't right. Because the spirit takes on the flavor of the vessel. And I'm going to tell you, it's just as true in the negative sense as it is in the positive sense. It's not just God's spirit that takes on the flavor of the vessel. Well, hallelujah. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something today, that, that just because something is true doesn't mean that we need to accept everything that looks and sounds as though it's true let me let me let me i'm going to i'm going to preface what i'm 
about to say. Let me just tell you, I, uh, as much as I want to reach the alcoholic, I am not going to put a track on a bottle of beer and hand it out. Right? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go put up a flyer for revival in a house of prostitution. Well, hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. There's a whole lot of things out there that even apostolics are accepting and bringing into their midst that are motivated or are driven by the wrong spirit. Church, look, this is one reason why I have through the years been so adamant that there are some forms of music that are just not acceptable in the house of God. There are some forms of music, and I don't care. I don't care if they take Acts 2.38 and put it to a rap beat. I'm against it. I'm not against Acts 2.38, but I'm against the method of presentation. I don't have time to teach on it today. Uh, I've taught on it how many times in the last two decades, but, but music has such an impact on us and on our lives. And I'm going to tell you, young people, we need to be extremely careful the kind of music that we listen to. I'm not telling you you gotta listen only to Southern Gospel and Bluegrass, and I don't, I, I don't even care for Bluegrass myself, but, but I'm not telling you that, but I'm just telling you there are some forms of music. There are some kinds of music that I don't care what the words are, the music itself has a negative impact on your spirit. I've, I've, I've taught, I've, I've, uh, most of you were some years ago I wrote a short little book on the subject and music is made up of three basic parts uh, the melody, the harmony, and the rhythm and each of those parts appeals to one of the three basic parts of man uh, We have uh, Paul said that we are spirit and soul and body now we usually say body, soul, and spirit but Paul didn't put them in that order we are spirit and soul and body. And I'm telling you that each part of music appeals to one of those three parts of man. The melody appeals to our spirit. The harmony appeals to our soul. It goes deep within us. I'm telling you, there's nothing I like better than good harmony. I, 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 I don't always hit it. I don't always find it myself but I know I know when it's right and when it's wrong I can hear it well enough that I know and I'm telling you when somebody's got it right and somebody's got close harmony it just it does something down deep inside and rhythm rhythm appeals to our body to our flesh that's why you can be sitting in a restaurant find yourself patting your foot and you don't even realize you're doing it your body, your flesh is responding to the beat. And what's happened is that, that uh, in our generations, in, in recent years, um, people have started making rhythm the most prominent part of music. Hallelujah. And that rhythm becomes the driving force. I mean, when you pull up to a red light, what is it that you hear? You just hear the rhythm. You hear the beat. You don't know what they're listening to, but, but the beat is there because that's what appeals to the flesh of mankind. Now, now with, with this new rap music, rap really has no melody or, or harmony. It really is just rhythm. And so it is 100% carnality. It really is. So you can put whatever words you want to put to it. It's still carnal. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that, that to listen to it, it affects our carnality. 
Uh, this is the adult class. I think I can say this. I think I can say this. Uh, but a test was done some time back on laboratory rats. They put, they, they started typing rap music in. Now, the rats don't understand the language. They don't, they don't understand what's being said. But the music, as when that music started playing, it hadn't been playing very long before those rats started mating. There was something about that driving beat that had the most carnal impact upon them it could possibly have. And I'm telling you, the same thing is true when it happens to us as human beings. And we need to be careful. We need to be careful because a lot of this quote-unquote Christian music that's going around today, you say, oh, but the words are beautiful. Well, they may be, but what is the music doing to you? What is it, how is it affecting you? Is it making you more spiritual or is it making you more carnal? I think a good test is when you're listening to it, can you pray? When you're listening to it, can you get into the spirit of the Lord? When you're listening to it, is God anywhere around? I know that makes me an old fogey, but I'll die an old fogey. I just know, I know that Jesus didn't accept every word of truth if it didn't come from the right source. And Paul didn't accept every word of truth if it didn't come from the right source. And so I don't care how beautiful the words are if the source is wrong. I don't want any part of it. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. Well, that went over like a lace bathtub, didn't it, bud? Hallelujah. But this is why. This is why. And I'm going to tell you, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm not running ads on TV. I, I mean, we can show beautiful service and we can show, we, we can show, uh, but, but you know, they put that ad during the soap opera when people are committing adultery and, and, and what you've got, you've got a flavor there. You've got, you've got a vessel there that is, that is putting this out. Well, I, we'll have to save all that for another time or we'll never get through. We'll never get through the book of Mark. But I'm just telling you, I think we've got, I know we've got scriptural precedent that we don't always accept everything if it's not coming from the proper vessel, if it's not being delivered to us from the right source. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. All right, all right, all right. I can tell that got a little tight there, so we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, verse number 13. Let's move on. Verse number 13, Mark chapter 3. Now, now by the way, let me just say this. If, if you want to, I'm sure we can go and find for you the lessons where I taught on music. I even had my wife give some examples at the piano and show you how certain chords can affect you. They, they really, they have an effect on you just the chord itself and i've had her just hit the chord and and that chord can create tension in your body well lord have mercy it's it's quiet but it's true it's true we we experience things by proxy, we can, I didn't intend to do all this, but here we are. So maybe God knows we need it right now. I don't know. I may end up having to bring my wife to the piano again. I don't know. Uh, but anyhow, we, we, when, when somebody steps up <clears throat> to the pulpit and <clears throat> they're, they're talking and <clears throat> they can't quite get it out, and you can tell that they're struggling with their throat and it's difficult for them to speak. You don't have to listen very long before you're clearing your throat. And you're not the one with the problem. 
but you're trying to fix it based on what you hear. If you've ever heard a professional singer who can hit that last note and just hang on forever, it's not long before you're trying to catch your breath. Because it's affecting you. You're affected by what you hear. Your body responds to what it hears. Well, it's the truth. <sighs> come on, Sister Regan. Come help me. Come help me. Just real quick. We'll do this quick, and then I'm going to move on. i got to move on. But, you know, I mean, I've always been taught when you hit a stump, you just back up and drop the plow a little deeper and... and uh, Keep hitting it, and that's what we're going to do here for a moment. Then I'll move on. We'll get back to verse 13 in a minute, but until I can feel like we've kind of thoroughly uh, dealt with this, I just, I just want you to hear this. I want you to hear it for yourself. I want you to know I'm not making this up. I want you to listen for a few minutes. Just It may take a moment here, is it? There we go. Yeah, just, just hit that for a little while. Okay, enough, enough. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And when she starts hitting that suspended cord, it creates a suspension. Did you feel it? You can feel something in you is hanging until she finally resolves that, and then everything calms down. And I'm telling you, a lot of today's music will put those suspended cords all through it and never resolve anything. And it's just building constant tension in us. You can't worship like that. You can't worship like that. Worship is not, should never be something that's creating tension in us. Well, hallelujah. Worship ought to be bringing peace, serenity, happiness, and joy. Well, praise God. All right, all right, all right. Anyhow, uh, one of these days, maybe, who knows. Um, verse 13, that's where we are. All right, verse 13. We're changing subjects now, so you, everybody can relax. I've just resolved the tension. We'd, we can relax. We can move on. Verse 13, here's what he says. And he goeth up into a mountain, calleth unto him whom he would know, whom he would, and they come unto him. He went into a mountain and he called unto him. Now, look, we've been dealing with Mark now for a long time. So it's hard for us to remember we're only in chapter 3. We're, we're really still in the beginning stages of Jesus' ministry. And he is calling here his 12 apostles. And uh, I, I do want you to take note of the fact that he called whom he would. Jesus chose who would follow him. He chose. Jesus made a choice. Now let me tell you, uh, John 15, verse 16, let's read. You have not chosen me. Jesus said, you have not chosen me. But I have chosen but you. I have chosen you. Listen to me, church. I want you to understand the great privilege with which we have been afforded. You are not sitting on a church pew today full of the Holy Ghost because one day you woke up and decided you wanted to live for God. But I'm going to tell you, it started before that. There is an almighty God who looked down and saw you where you are, as you are, and God said, I choose you. I made the choice. I made the choice. I made the choice. And even if you're here today without the gift of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you the same thing applies. You couldn't be here today if God had not chosen you. If God had not seen something in you that he loved, something in you that he knew was worth saving. Right. 
spite of whatever you've been, in spite of wherever you've gone, I'm telling you there is a God that looks beyond all of that. We'll deal with that maybe in a few moments. But the only reason that we're here today is because God reached down to us. John 6 and 44. No man can no come man to me. Can even come to me. Except the Father. Except the Father. Which has sent me, draw him. Now the Father is the Spirit. He said, No man can even come to me unless the Spirit draws him. That's why I'm telling you, whether you've got the Holy Ghost or you don't have the Holy Ghost, the only reason you're here today is because the Spirit of God got a hold of you and drew you to this place. You're here because God wanted you here. You're here because, now I know you had to make a decision to obey God. I understand that, but it didn't start with you. It's kind of like I heard a man say, we really can't just get up and say, I love you, Jesus. We really need to say, I love you too. Because he was the first one to express his love for us. We love him because he first loved us. Hallelujah. And when we were nothing but sinners and we were worthless and we were hopeless, he still saw something of value in our lives. And his spirit moved upon us and began to draw us and began to call us. And you're here today because God drew you here. He drew you here. Now what you do with that is up to you. But he drew you. Hallelujah. You can't come unless he draws you. In fact, this is reiterated. You know, I've taught you over and over out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. Well, John 15, 16, you've not chosen me. I've chosen you. John 6 and 44, no man can come to me except the Father or the Spirit draw him. John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. I'm the way. The truth, the truth and the life. The life. No man, no man to can the Father, come to the Father but by, me. but by me. Nobody can come to Jesus but by the Spirit. Nobody can come to the Spirit but by Jesus. I'm telling you, it's because there's only one God. Hallelujah. Here's what I'm telling you today. The only way you're ever going to make your way to God is because God loved you enough that he started drawing you and he started calling you and he started dealing with you. You hear me, you hear me. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that backslider that you've been praying for, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. One of these days, God's going to deal with them again. One of these days, they're going to come to themselves and wake up, but they, we got to wait until God, we can pray, we can pray, we can pray, ask God to deal with them, but somewhere, God's got to shake them and awaken them and make them realize how miserable they are without him, but once God starts drawing them, I don't care where they've been. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they've been involved in. Are you hearing me, church? I don't care how far away from God they've gone. If they walk in those doors, we need to rejoice because God still sees something in them. God has still got hope for them. God still got a plan for them. Hallelujah. Don't you run them off. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they can't come unless God draws them. They can't come unless God deals with them. Hallelujah. And God knows. God knows. Now, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but, uh, Maybe we should get a little sidetracked Go over to the book of Luke. This is not in the notes, Brother Brandon, but let's go there for just a minute. Praise God. And uh, chapter 15, and read for me verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Now, he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and then 
Finally, he came to himself, verse 17 says. In other words, he finally got his head screwed on straight. He finally realized that that pig pen wasn't nearly as much fun as he thought it was. Oh, he enjoyed it for a little while. He enjoyed not, not, not the physical pig pen, but the spiritual pig pen. He enjoyed it for a long time. He was in the pig pen long before he was feeding swine. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't recognize it. He didn't know it. But he had to get to a physical pig pen before he recognized he was in a spiritual pig pen. He finally came to himself. And he said, here I am. I am my father's son. And even the servants that he hires are better off than I am. Something's wrong with this picture. He came to himself. But look, he didn't just accidentally wake up one day and come to himself. Back up to the verse right before it. Verse number 16. Read. And he would fain have filled his belly. He would fain have filled his belly. With the husk that the swine, the did, that the swine did eat. And no and man gave no to him. man gave unto him. Then verse 17, and when he came to himself. He didn't come to himself until people quit helping him. Until people quit assisting him in his journey away from the Father. He had to get uncomfortable in order to wake up. He was spiritually asleep. And as long as he was comfortable in that sleep, he would never go back to the Father. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes we're praying the wrong things for backsliders. Sometimes we're praying God help them, God touch them, God heal them, God whatever. That may not be the answer at all. We need to be praying, God, you shake them and you stir them and you make them miserable until they wake up and realize this is where they belong. Well, it's about to get tight on me again. But it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. I remember years ago, uh, somebody talking about taking a, a, a prayer cloth. The, their husband, I think it was, was backslid. And they took a prayer cloth and put the prayer cloth under the mattress. And they said, said he would go to bed at night and the bed slats would fall out. And the bed would fall. And he'd wake up. And uh, this went on for night. I think he finally changed sides, and then that side started falling out. And, and this went on. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep until finally he realized, God's dealing with me, and I've got to get back to church. I'm going to tell you, we've got, listen, church, if you really want to see them saved, it's not going to matter what it's going to cost, what they're going to have to go through, what they're going to have to face. It's going to be better for them to be saved. Whatever trouble they've got to go through, whatever difficulty. Well, some of you are hearing me. Some of you are not this morning. Some of you don't like this. I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you pray too much comfort around them, they may never wake up. They may slip right off into hell while they are spiritually asleep. But if you'll get a hold of God and say, God, whatever you got to do, make them miserable. If it means losing their job, if it means putting their marriage on the rocks, if it means not letting them sleep at night, God, I don't care what you've got to do. You make them as miserable as they need to be one man said you need to pray a hedge of thorns around them can you imagine a hedge of thorns everywhere they turn they're hitting a thorn they're getting stuck they're getting pricked there's no way out of this hallelujah I'm telling you we got to pray whatever it takes God you get them you get them to themselves let them wake up and realize they're not happy out there in the world they are miserable without you whatever it takes God shake them but I want to see them saved well I don't I don't 
mean to sound cruel, but I'm going to tell you, I'd rather see them wheeled in in a wheelchair and then go to heaven than walking on their own two feet and be lost. That's not hatred. That's not meanness. That's compassion. I want to see them saved. I want to see them saved. God, make them miserable. Do whatever you've got to do. If they've got to go to the pig pen, then God, send them to the pig pen. But I want them saved. Now, it'd be wonderful if God would save them without having to do that. But unfortunately for some backsliders, for a lot of backsliders, their world's got to fall apart before they reach out to God again. Well, it is the truth. It is the truth. I spoke with a backslider not long ago, and they were telling me about all the troubles they went through. And, and uh, I said, well, I'm just going to be honest with you. It may be that you're going through all of this because God's trying to get your attention and trying to get you back where you belong. Well, hallelujah. I'm not being cold-hearted and cold-blooded. I'm just telling you the facts. God wants you back in his kingdom. Now, I'm telling you, you let them get back in the kingdom of God and live for God, and God knows how to bless them, and God knows how to take care of them. Isn't that what happened to the prodigal son? He was out there in the pig pen saying, if I could just get back and be a servant, I'll be happy. That's all I want. I don't want him to recognize me as even a member of the family. Just let him give me a job. I'll be better off in daddy's house with a job than I will be out here like I am. Amen. But he went back and the father said my son that was dead is now alive my son that was lost is now found bring him the best clothes restore him to his position give him everything let's have a party let's rejoice let's celebrate the father didn't put him out tending the cattle or tending the pigs the father brought him in the house and restored him to his place but he had to go through the pig pen to get there. Right. Right. <sighs> oh, hallelujah. So, so God, God draws us, and sometimes the way that he draws us is not a pleasant trip. <laughs> I have said this before, but I heard a preacher say one time, the will of God is always enjoyable. I said, I disagree with you there. I don't think the will of God is always enjoyable. <laughs> Sometimes the will of God's difficult. Sometimes the will of God hurts. Sometimes the will of God involves Gethsemane. Sometimes it involves Calvary. Well, sometimes, just ask Joseph. It involves having your brothers hate you. It involves having your brothers sell you into slavery. Sometimes the will of God involves having people lie on you. Sometimes the will of God involves going to prison for something you didn't do. Sometimes the will of God involves helping a man out. God speaking to you specifically about his situation and then him being restored and forgetting you for a decade or so. Yeah. yeah, the will of God's not always enjoyable. But it's always right. And it's always beneficial. Hallelujah. I, I, I just personally, I believe Joseph went through all those things because God was trying to get some things out of Joseph. I don't think Joseph was prepared for the position God wanted to put him in. I think Joseph had a little bit too much ego. A little too much vindictiveness. I really do. He had a dream and his brothers hated him for it. So when he had the second dream, what did he do? Go back out and tell his brothers again. Now why would you do that, Joseph? You knew they didn't like it the first time. Why would you go tell them the second time? I think he, I really think that he just wanted to throw it in their face. I, I really think there were some things in Joseph 
that God had to knock out of him. And God had to take him really low before he could bring him really high. I think it would be a different story had Joseph ascended immediately to the throne and then those brothers would have come before him. And see, as bad as those brothers were, God had a plan for them and for their children. Hello? As bad as they were, God had a plan for them. And God had to get Joseph to a place. And I'm telling you, sometimes, sometimes, not just with backsliders, but sometimes even with the people of God, we got to walk through some lonely, painful, difficult situations for God to make us into the individual he wants us to be. Well, praise God. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man that God loved. But I still see David having to spend a number of years running for his life. What did he do? What did he do wrong? Nothing. But one man said it this way. He said God was making sure that if there was any, any little bit of Saul in David, God was getting it out of him. <laughs> so that when David became king, he wouldn't be another Saul. Well, we're not running the aisles right now, but I do believe the Lord's talking to us. The will of God's not always enjoyable. It's not always pleasant. It's not always what we want or what we like. But he did promise us this, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Well, praise God. I believe sometimes we're not just, not just are we praying the wrong things for backsliders. I think sometimes we're praying the wrong things for ourselves. I think sometimes we're asking God to get us out of situations that God's really trying to use to mold us and make us. Well, hallelujah. I uh, was talking to the Sisler and somebody the other night, my days are all run together anymore, but talking about the years that we spent in home missions, small church, and struggled just to make ends meet. And then amazingly, right after that, God sent us to a large church, more than enough for us to live on. But you know what? During those years of leanness, we learned how to live with a whole lot less. And so when we got to the next place and they wanted to try to use money to control me, money didn't affect me by that point. God had taken care of all of that by letting me walk through some very difficult financial situations. Well, hallelujah. And so they could, none of that affected me. None of that impacted me. You understand? God knows it wasn't pleasant and it wasn't enjoyable. But God knows what he's doing. Church, listen. God sees the big picture. God sees beyond this moment and this week and this month and this year. Well, I feel what I'm saying right now. God sees beyond what we see. And we don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. We don't understand how he's bringing it about. But you just trust God. He knows what's best. And he loves you enough that sometimes he'll let you spend some time in the pig pen so that you really, really, really appreciate the Father's house. Well, praise God. Praise God.
Hallelujah. I'm glad. I'm glad that one day the Lord began to draw me. I'm glad. One day the Lord began to call me. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it, but I'm glad that he did it. How about you? Are you glad the Lord chose you? Are you glad the Lord called you? Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm to, I think we ought to take a moment and just thank God that he had mercy on us. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. But God reached down to us. Lord, whatever it took to bring me to this place, I just want to say thank you. I may not have said thank you before. I, I, I may have complained about it before. I may have griped about it before. But I understand today, God, that every path I've walked down has brought me to this moment because you love me and you care about me and you've got my best interest at heart and I want to say thank you for it, Lord. Come on, let's worship him. Come on, let's worship him. Let's worship him. Hallelujah. I'm not going to try to press on. I've got some more things I want to say about him choosing his apostles. We'll come back to that at a later time i i just i just want to stop right here and 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 dwell on what i'm feeling right at the moment praise god sister becca if you want to come we're going to try to close out right here and have some time to pray before we dismiss here this morning but i a number of years ago i preached a message here to this church i pointed out how that the apostle peter the great spokesman of pentecost not long after Jesus said, you're blessed because the revelation you've got, Jesus turned around to him one day and said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. He said that to Peter. He said it to Peter. And then we read on the night of his betrayal as he's in the garden that Judas Iscariot, who had just sold him into the hands of the chief priests, walked into the garden and kissed Jesus, and Jesus called him friend. I, I've got to tell you that when I look at the life of Peter, I would think that he would be the one Jesus would call friend. And Judas would be Satan. But it was the other way around in what the Scripture records. And the reason behind it, I think is clear. When Jesus said that to Simon Peter, Jesus had just told his disciples, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be beaten and I'm going to die. And Peter said, no, you won't. We're not going to let that happen to you. You're not going to Calvary. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, because you don't understand the things of God. You, 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 don't, you don't understand the things of God. What things of God was he talking about? He was talking about dying on a cross. You see, anything that keeps us from the cross, it's not our friend. That's not our friend. If it keeps us from the cross, if it keeps us from dying out, that's not our friend. But what was it Judas was doing in the garden that day? He was pointing the Lord toward Calvary. And Jesus said, you're a friend. As painful as this is going to be, that which takes me to the cross is my friend. Well, hallelujah. That which brings me to a place of consecration and dedication and selling out, that's not my enemy. 
that's my friend. And our troubles and our trials and our heartaches and our difficulties, if they draw us to him and to a place of dedication, those are not things that we need to resent and hate and ask God to take away from us. If those things are drawing us nearer to him and to his cross, we need to thank God for it. That's my friend. That's my real friend. That which helps me to die out to my carnality, that's my real friend. When the preacher preaches hard and names where we are and discusses what we're doing. That's, that's not our enemy. That's our friend. It was Absalom who stood at the gate kissing everyone who came through. I think that may be part of the reason why Solomon wrote what he did when he said, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I think Solomon may have heard his dad tell the story. We like to come in and be kissed. We like to come in and hear how good things are, how well we're doing, but sometimes a kiss is not what we need. Sometimes we need somebody to take us back to Calvary. We need somebody to help us to lay ourselves on that old cross again and say, here, Lord. There's just too much carnality still alive in me. Get rid of it, God. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Let's stand this morning. This altar is open. If anybody feels like praying, help me, Lord.